Well, I'm sure you've noticed that we live in a time when in a place where the holiness of God and the call that he makes to the people of God to be holy as well is becoming increasingly foreign. We live in a time when in a place where the call to be holy is now really a call in some cases to simply flex our faith. And it's as easy as wearing Savior Squad swag that includes crosses made from bats and shirts that have pithy little statements like, In Jesus' name I train. We live in a time when and a place where living out our faith, again, a time and a place where living out our faith isn't really costly. And as Kathy pointed out this week, um, living out our faith is or can be as simple as putting a, a nativity scene in our front yard with a camel. And if anybody pushes back, we label it persecution. We live in a time when in a place where being a new creation in Christ is not about putting off the old sinful self or putting on the new holy self, but it's as really a matter of our food, meeting our faith and losing weight through the latest and greatest biblical diet plan. And I know all those things sound silly. And I know it sounds like I made every one of them up, but I didn't. I wish I had. Every bit of those things you can see and find on Facebook. Or doing any kind of internet search. And I think you'd agree that since we've been studying the book of Leviticus, everything that we've learned flies in the face of that. For throughout our study, we've learned that God's goal of creation and redemption is to dwell with his people and for us to dwell with him. We've been learning and understanding more deeply the the gravity of the problem that hinders that. We've been learning of the overwhelming significance of the solution that God himself has provided for us to make dwelling with him a not only a future but a present reality. We've been learning about the holiness of God and the extent of man's sin and misery. We've been learning about the inescapable need of salvation that we have, our need of redemption, our need of justification, our need of sanctification. We've been learning about God's plan of provision for the fulfillment of that. On our behalf. And of course that means that we've been coming to a deeper understanding of what Jesus has done for us. And hopefully in the process as we become, as we grow in our understanding of that, we're growing to love him more. For apart from him, we would never dwell with him. And tonight my prayer is that. All of that would continue, that our understanding of who he is and what he's done for us and our love for him would continue to grow. So with that said, 
If you would, let's stand together as is our custom. And I would like to read those last four verses that Daniel read from chapter 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy. For I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy. For I am holy. This is the law about beast and bird and every living creature that moves through the waters and every creature that swarms on the ground to make a distinction between the unclean and the clean and between the living creature that may be eaten and the living creature that may not be eaten. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, would you by your spirit allow us to appreciate the richness of your story of redemption of which you have graciously made us a part. We praise you for revealing Christ by promise and shadow in these words from Leviticus. Help us to understand them. May we leave here appreciating more fully what is presently and forever ours in Christ. And therefore more confident in resting more fully in and trusting more deeply in him and what he has done for us and gifted to us. And I pray these things in him who is our once for all sacrifice. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the outline that we're going to follow is not in the note taking guide in the back of your bulletin. So you're going to have to fill it in and you'll understand why in just a few minutes. But um, so here it is. There are three points tonight that I want us to look at. Uh, Again, there is room in the back of the bulletin. So you want to add these first. We're going to look at the demand for holiness. Secondly, we're going to look at the declaration of holiness. And then thirdly, we're going to look at the demonstration of holiness. So the demand, the declaration and demonstration of holiness. So let's begin first with the demand the Lord says in verse 44 and 45 and is going to say later on in chapter 20 that his people are to be holy. It's a rightful demand. It is an obligatory command. It's a a call that is transcendent. It is a call that's indiscriminate. It's an expectation and it's a non-negotiable for all of God's people, past, present and future. No one is exempt. It was true of the Israelites, as we just read. It's true of Christians, as we read, as Ernie read from first Peter, chapter one. Paul even says the same thing. He puts it this way, that it's something holiness is something that we should be or holy is something we should be because it is something that God has called us to be. You remember from Ephesians, chapter one. We are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before. Him. But, but what does it mean? What, what does it mean to be holy? If you're like me, the first thing that I think about when I hear the word holy or holiness is that I immediately think of doing what's right. And of course, there is. Uh, that is, it's not wrong for you and I to think in that way. There are numerous times in scriptures where we see that holiness is associated with being righteous. And as we saw from the first 10 chapters uh, of Leviticus, we see that holiness is involved with being cleansed with, uh, being cleansed from sin. So we would be right. But the reality is that holiness means 
more than that. It means much more than that. When we speak of the holiness of God, we're speaking of more than just one single attribute of his. When we speak of his holiness, we're also speaking more of than simply the purity of his goodness or the purity of his righteousness. In the words of one commentator, what we're actually talking about is his quintessential nature. It's, it's who he is in, in whole, not in part. It's, it, it's what distinguishes him from all of his creation. And anytime we talk about the holiness of God, it's always good to just see what our seed has said, right? In his words, holiness involves God's transcendence. Holiness involves his magnificence. Holiness is that sense in which God is higher and superior to anything there is in the creaturely realm. And again, he says it's the simplest way to discuss this is to say that that which is holy is that which is different, separate, and altogether other. And because of that, when we speak of man's holiness, we are speaking of moral and ethical purity. It is involved in that, of course. We, we are talking about uprightness and cleanness. But it's also, a, it's also speaking of being set apart from that which is common. It's a matter of being different. It's a matter of being unique. And it's, it's difference and uniqueness as compared to all others who have not been set apart. And the call to be holy is, so the call to be holy is both a call to be clean, it's a call to be set apart, and the two go hand in hand for what is unclean cannot be set apart. And we're going to talk more about this next week, but what is unclean cannot be set apart. Really, what is holy can, and cannot be in the presence of what is unclean. They're diametrically opposed. So, so God is pure Righteous, good, transcendent, magnificent, different, separate, and other. And if we're going to dwell with Him, we must be spiritually spiritually clean, morally and ethically pure. We must be different and unique from that which is around us. And this demand, this demand or command is expected and it's non-negotiable because the reality is it's necessary. And that's why, or we know that it's necessary because he says, be holy for I am holy. And remember, the, the goal is to dwell with him. So holiness is Necessary, And of course, that, that's the dilemma that we've been talking about since we started our study. The dilemma is, is present that we as fallen human beings lack intrinsic holiness. It's not a part of who we are. Left to ourselves and by ourselves, we lack moral and ethical purity. It's not a part of who we are. We lack the ability to remain separate. We lack the ability to remain different We are unclean and we are unable to work or will ourselves into a state of holiness. 
It's not something that we can do or manufacture. We cannot atone for ourselves. We cannot purify ourselves. We cannot bring ourselves to be at peace with God. We cannot create fellowship between us and Him. We can't reconcile ourselves to Him in any way. We can't make ourselves clean. We can't will or work ourselves into, again, a state of holiness. So what do we do? Well, fortunately for us, in the words of, again, Dr. Sproul, what makes something sacred, what makes something holy, is the touch of God upon it. When the one who is himself other and different touches that which is ordinary, it becomes extraordinary. And that's what he's done for his people. That's what the Lord has done. He has touched us. He's called us. Again, in the words of Paul, he's called us prior to the foundation of the world. He's declared that we, his people, are a holy people. And this is true whether we're talking about the Old Testament church or the New Testament church. Listen to the words from Exodus 19. That the Lord spoke to Moses prior to giving him the law at Mount Sinai. It says, thus shall you say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now listen to the words of the Apostle Peter, who is writing to Christians who are in exile. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Brothers and sisters, we've been declared holy. We've been set apart. God has redeemed us and set us free from the bondage of sin, just as he set the Israelites and redeemed them and set them free from their bondage to the Egyptians. He has set us apart just as he set them apart. He has set us apart to be different and unique from the world around us. And not because of anything in and of ourselves, but because of Christ. It's all because of the Lord Jesus. It was Jesus who took on our sin. His righteousness imputed to us, our sin imputed to him. Christ has taken our sin. He would he was the full and final sacrifice for our sin, as as we learned in the first. He was the full and final sacrifice that all the other sacrifices that we saw in in chapters one to seven, they all pointed to him. They were all about him. He's again, he's purified. He's atoned for our sin. He's purified us of our sin. He has reconciled us to God. He is our peace. We have fellowship with with God because of what Christ has done for uh, on our behalf. He's declared us righteous. We've been declared holy. We've been set apart for divine service and divine use. 
His setting us apart was a divine action by Him and Him alone. But there is an aspect of holiness in which there is a, human action is associated. There, there is human action associated with this call to be holy. Notice what he says. He says, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Holiness is something that you and I, as members of the covenant community, are to pursue. We've been declared and set apart to be holy. And so, because we've been declared and set apart, we are to be and to become holy and set apart. We are, we are to be what we've, and become what we've been declared to be. We are to demonstrate holiness because it's who we are in Him. And this is exactly what He told the Israelites back there in Exodus 19. He said, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. And He wasn't making a conditional statement that if they obeyed and kept His covenant, that they would have the right to be a treasured possession. No, He's saying, if you will Obey and keep the covenant. You will be acting like the treasured possession I have already claimed you to be. You will simply be doing and behaving as you've been declared to be. Who you are. And that's why Peter continues in in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Right? Live as you've been declared to be. And we've, we've said this probably every week in our study of Leviticus, just like we said it every, almost every week in, in Ephesians and Galatians. Right? We're, we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. We've been called to be holy. We are to walk in that manner. We're to walk in a holy way. Having been redeemed and set apart, we're to live like we've been redeemed and have been set apart. And that's what the remainder of this book is about. Chapters 11 through 16 are going to give instructions to the priests to help them do what they were called to do back in chapter 10, verses 10 and 11. If you remember from last week, their job was to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, and to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. So they needed, they, if they were going to keep track of what was clean and unclean, They needed to know what was clean and unclean. And so 11 through 16 gives that to them. And then from 17 to 27, the focus is going to be on practical holiness, both individually and nationally. Now, I know you're probably thinking silently and maybe you even just leaned over to somebody and said, what about the first 43 verses of chapter 11? Um, And I get that. And this is, again, why there's no outline in, uh, in the back of your bulletin. Because as of late Friday afternoon, I decided to take chapter 11 and push it to be included with chapters 12 through 15 next week. And when we get there next week, you'll understand why. And what I don't want to do tonight, it, it's going to come later, but what I don't want to do tonight is then to simply ask, okay, now how are you, how am I, how are we setting ourselves apart? Again, we'll get there. 
But we need to do something first. We need to do something first. I want to ask you a couple of questions. How seriously do you, how seriously do we take the command to be holy? How much time and thought and energy do we, do you, do we, do I expend in regards to our consideration of God's holiness? His setting, his divine action of setting us apart. And then our pursuit of that holiness. The safest answer is not enough. Not enough. And and that's due to a number of reasons. Not the least of which is the overwhelming sense of inadequacy and inability that we all feel when it comes to holiness. And rightfully so. So whether we are overwhelmed by the holiness of God or the daunting call and command and demand to be holy like he is holy or frustrated by our continual failing and falling short of the fulfillment of that call. We tend to develop a fear of failure. And if we peel back the layers of that fear of failure, really kind of what's in there as well as a fear of Punishment and judgment. And all of that is the result of forgetting one thing. So very important. And that is God loves you. And God loves me. God loves us. You see, the call to be holy is a call to respond to God's action of setting us apart that was motivated by love. It was motivated by his love for us that he set upon us and that love was perfect. And we know it was perfect because it was exhibited Through the Lord Jesus Christ. It was Christ who laid down his life for us. And because his love is perfect. The Apostle John tells us that perfect love does what? Perfect love casts out fear. So why do we fear Why do we fear the failure? Why do we fear punishment? Why do we fear judgment? Because we forget that God loves us. And if we remember that God loves us, then it casts out that fear. And that's why knowledge of and our growing understanding of and our remembering of and our appreciating and and, and growing a, a deeper appreciating for the love of Christ will cast out those fears. And those fears having been cast out will enable us to strive toward fulfillment of the call to be holy. So Matt, here it is again. Strive and rest. Resting in in the love of God. 
that's been expressed to you and to me in Christ that's ours. And then striving in holiness, striving to be what he's declared us to be. Because the reality is the Lord accepts us as we are. But brothers and sisters, he does not expect us or desire us to remain the same. It's his love for us that makes us strive for holiness. And, 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 and that striving for holiness becomes a blessing and not a burden. We, while we were in Seattle last week, and, and by the way, thank you. Thank you, Aaron, and, and for all that pitched in. And, and we had a fabulous week. But while we were there, we were taking a walk. Uh, we took several walks. But one in particular, we were, we were coming back from the locks and the salmon run. Uh, down between the lake and the Puget Sound. And Caleb and Audrey were walking in front of us. And these two girls came walking down the hill. It seemed like everything was uphill. There was downhill. but So we're walking uphill once again. And they're coming downhill. And they're listening to this podcast on relationships. And, and they were listening to it on speaker between the two of them. And we knew that because when they walked past us, the host of the podcast said, You know, don't change for anybody. And he went on to say, be who you are. You don't need to change one thing about yourself for anybody. And it was so funny. Caleb and Audrey were walking ahead of us and it was like almost simultaneously. They looked at each other and almost word for word said, well, that relationship's not going to last long. And they went on to say, because, you know, who doesn't change for the other person? They're right. Who doesn't seek to change due to the love of another person? And who doesn't seek to change out of love for the other person? That's the motivation. You and I are loved by God in Christ. He set his love upon us. And the call to holiness should not be a burden. It should not burden our consciences It's actually the call to be holy is a reminder of his love for us. It's a reminder of his love for us. It's a reminder that we are loved and we've been chosen and redeemed and set apart for divine service. He calls us to be and to become who we've been declared to be in Christ. What a privilege and an honor. It's something we we should revel in. And everything about our weekly gathering should remind us of that. When we, when we gather, we come, as we've been learning, we come in and through the blood of Christ, who was our full and final sacrifice. We enter into his gates with sacrifices of thanksgiving. We enter his courts with sacrifices of praise because his sacrifice of his body and His blood has cleansed us. And we come to receive by faith through word and sacrament so so that we might be able to go and to do what he has called us to do, to be what he has called us to be. He is going to equip us by his grace and by his spirit to, to be that which we've been declared to be.
So brothers and sisters, as we move into these next few weeks of our study, may may we go into those next few weeks, but may we go from here tonight even boldly and confidently as those loved by God. And having been loved by God, may we go and pursue the holiness to which we've been called. May we, by his grace, be holy as our heavenly father is holy. Let's pray together. Father, would you now, by your spirit, use the word that has been preached to transform us. Transform us by the renewing of our minds. And may the seeds of truth be planted deep into the fertile soil of our hearts that we might be sanctified, which is your will for us. In Jesus' name, amen.